0: This is Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 11 of The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. Number three A gracious heart has what he has free of cost. He is not likely to be called. To pay for it. The difference between what a godly man has and a wicked man is this. A godly man is as a child in an inn. An innkeeper has his child in the house and provides his diet and lodging and whatever is needful for him. Now a stranger comes and he has dinner and supper provided and lodging, but the stranger must pay for everything. It may be that the child's fare is meaner than the fare of the stranger. The stranger has boiled and roasted and baked, but he must pay for it. There must come a reckoning for it. Just so it is. Many of God's people have only mean fare, but God, as a father, provides it. And it is free of cost. They need not pay for what they have. It is paid for before. But the wicked, in all their pomp and pride and finery, they have what they ask for, but there must come a reckoning for everything. They must pay for all at the conclusion. And is it not better to have a little free of cost than to have to pay for everything? Grace shows a man that what he has, he has free of cost, from God as from a father, and therefore it must needs be very sweet. Number four, a godly man may very well be content, though he has only a little, for what he does have he has by right of Jesus Christ, by the purchase of Jesus Christ. He has a right to it, a different kind of right to that which a wicked man can have to what he has. Wicked men have certain outward things. I do not say they are usurpers of what they have. They have a right to it, and that before God. But how? It is a right by mere donation. That is, God, by his free bounty, gives it to them. But the the right that the saints have is a right of purchase, it is paid for, it is their own, and they may in a holy manner and holy way claim whatever they have need of. We cannot express the difference between the right of a holy man and the right of the wicked more fully than by the following simile. A criminal is condemned to die, and yet, by favor, he has his supper provided overnight, Now, though the criminal has forfeited all his right to all things, to every bit of bread, yet if he is given his supper, he does not steal it. This is true, though he has forfeited all rights by his fault, and after he has once been condemned, he has no right to anything. So it is with the wicked. They have forfeited all their right to the comforts of this world, they are condemned by God, as criminals, and are going to execution. But if God in his bounty gives them something to preserve them here in the world, they cannot be said to be thieves or robbers. But if a man is given a supper overnight before his execution, is that like the supper that he was wont to have in his own house when he ate his own bread and had his wife? and children about him? Oh, a dish of green herbs at home would be a great deal better than any dainties in such a supper as that. But a child of God has not a right merely by donation. What he has is his own, through the purchase of Christ. Every bit of bread you eat, if you are a godly man or woman, Jesus Christ has bought it for you. You go to market and buy your meat and drink with your money, but know that before you buy it or pay money, Christ has bought it at the hand of God the Father with his blood. You have it at the hands of men for money, but Christ has bought it at the hand of his Father by his blood. Certainly it is a great deal better and sweeter now, though it is but a little. Number five, there is another thing that shows the sweetness that is in the little that the saints have, by which they come to have contentment, whereas others cannot. That is, every little that they have is but as an earnest penny for all the glory that is reserved for them. It is given them by God as the forerunner of those eternal mercies that the Lord intends for them. Now, if a man has but twelve pence given to him as an earnest penny for some great possession that he must have, is that not better than if he had forty pounds given to him otherwise? So every comfort that the saints have in this world is an earnest penny to them of those eternal mercies that the Lord has provided for them. Just as every affliction that the wicked have here is but the beginning of sorrows and forerunner of those eternal sorrows that they are likely to have hereafter in hell. So every comfort you have is a forerunner of those eternal mercies you shall have with God in heaven. Not only are the consolations of God's Spirit the forerunners of those eternal comforts you shall have in heaven, But when you sit at your table and rejoice with your wife and children and friends, you may look upon every one of those, but as a forerunner, yea, the very earnest penny of eternal life to you. Now, if this is so, it is no marvel that a Christian is contented, but this is a mystery to the wicked. I have what I have from the love of God and I have it sanctified to me by God and I have it free of cost from God by the purchase of the blood of Jesus Christ and I have it as a forerunner of those eternal mercies that are reserved for me and in this my soul rejoices. There is a secret due of God's goodness and blessing upon him in his estate that others have not. By all this, you may see the meaning of that scripture. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. Proverbs 16, 8. A man who has but a little, yet if he has it with righteousness, it is better than a great deal without right. Yea, better than the great revenues of the wicked. So you have it in another scripture. That is the next thinking thing in Christian contentment. The mystery is in this, that he lives on the due of God's blessing in all the good things that he enjoys. Roman numeral nine. Not only in good things does a Christian have the due of God's blessing, and find them very sweet to him. But in all the afflictions, all the evils that befall him, he can see love and can enjoy the sweetness of love in his afflictions as well as in his mercies. The truth is that the afflictions of God's people come from the same eternal love that Jesus Christ came from. Jerome said, he is a happy man who is beaten when the stroke is a stroke of love. All God's strokes are strokes of love and mercy. All God's ways are mercy and truth to those that fear him and love him. Psalm twenty-five ten. The ways of God, the ways of affliction, as well as the ways of prosperity, are mercy and love to him. Grace gives a man an eye, a piercing eye, To pierce into the counsel of God, those eternal counsels of God for good to him, even in his afflictions. He can see the love of God in every affliction, as well as in prosperity. Now this is a mystery to a carnal heart. They can see no such thing. Perhaps they think God loves them when he prospers them and makes them rich, but They think God loves them not when he afflicts them. That is a mystery, but grace instructs men in that mystery. Grace enables men to see love in the very frown of God's face and so comes to receive contentment. Roman numeral 10. A godly man has contentment as a mystery because just as he sees all his afflictions come from the same love that Jesus Christ did, so he sees them all sanctified in Jesus Christ, sanctified in a mediator. He sees, I say, all the sting and venom and poison of them taken out by the virtue of Jesus Christ the mediator between God and man. For instance, when a Christian would have contentment, he works it out thus, What is my affliction? Is it poverty that God strikes me with? Jesus Christ had not a house to hide his head in. The fowls of the air had nests and the foxes holes, but the Son of Man had not a hole to hide his head in. Now my poverty is sanctified by Christ's poverty. I can see, by faith, the curse and sting and venom taken out of my poverty by the poverty of Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus was poor in this world to deliver me from the curse of my poverty. So, my poverty is not afflictive if I can be contented in such a condition. That is the way, not to stand and repine because I have not what others have, no, But I am poor, and Christ was poor, that he might bless my poverty to me. And so again, am I disgraced or dishonored? Is my good name taken away? Why? Jesus Christ had dishonor put upon him. He was called Beelzebub and a Samaritan, and they said he had a devil in him. All the foul aspersions that could be were cast upon Jesus Christ. And this was for me, that I might have the disgrace that is cast upon me sanctified to me. Whereas another man's heart is overwhelmed with dishonor and disgrace, and he seeks in this way to get contentment, perhaps you have been spoken ill of, and you have no other way to ease and right yourselves. But if they abuse you, you will abuse them back. And so you think to ease yourselves. Oh, but a Christian has another way to ease himself. Others abuse and speak ill of me, but did they not abuse Jesus Christ and speak ill of him? And what am I in comparison of Christ And the subjection of Christ to such an evil was for me that though such a thing should come upon me, I might know that the curse of it is taken from me through Christ's subjection to that evil. Thus, a Christian can be content when anybody speaks ill of him. Now this is a mystery to you to get contentment in this way. So if men jeer and scoff at you, did they not do so to Jesus Christ? They jeered and scoffed at him, and that when he was in his greatest extremity upon the cross. They said, Here is the king of the Jews. They bowed the knee and said, Hail, king of the Jews, and put a reed into his hand and mocked him. This concludes episode 11 of Jeremiah Burroughs, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment.